Hey everybody, welcome to Scream Mavericks, where we take an in-depth dive into some of your favorite movies and TV shows, new and old. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by the unmatched wit of the lovely Megan. Let's dive on in. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're here to answer the question, is it a Christmas movie? The two movies we're taking a deep dive into today both come from the 1980s, and I'm sure you can guess what the titles are, but since we can't hear you, I'll just say it. We're clearly talking about Gremlins and Die Hard. So let's dive in with Gremlins first, and of course, spoilers ahead, obviously. So Jen, what are your thoughts on Gremlins? Well, I think, you know, I know you came up with a list, we came up with a list, I came up with a list of what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie, which... As we know, everyone listening, it is subjective because Christmas doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Um, But I think there's definitely, especially with Gremlins specifically, there's definitely some stuff right in the beginning of the movie that made it, at least for me, pretty definitive, unlike Die Hard, which is coming later. One of the very first things about the movie when we see the dad in this old Chinese shop as a salesman trying to sell these horrible inventions is when he tries to buy a gizmo he says it's for his son for a christmas present Mm -hmm. so that that's huge because it means the entire being that strikes this entire crazy ride that we're going on starts as a christmas present for his son and we do know pretty early on that he's given it before we even get to christmas but it's pretty close to christmas it's like within days Oh, yeah. I mean, the town's already celebrating. It's all decorated and like people are getting prepared to celebrate Christmas. Right. You have that intro scene where he picks up Gizmo and then it cuts to the town, which if anyone has an eagle eye will notice the town is the exact same town from Back to the Future. I saw that. I didn't actually notice that, but I did see it in um, something I was reading. I immediately saw it. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Back to the Future. And it, it literally is so much. Well, and another little known fact, not to cut in, but very important that I did not know until today, the voice of Gizmo is Howie Mandel. Yes, it is. I would never have guessed that. I didn't know that. It's random, but I didn't know that. If if that was shocking for you, the shock for me came when I realized that the young kid he hangs out with is Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah, that I knew. (laughs) See? (laughs) You each got to have one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but during that opening scene where they're showing the town and they're kind of establishing, you know, the small town vibe and you're seeing like a sequence of events, uh, most that are Christmas related. It's, you know, people hanging up Christmas lights and they go to the town tree lot where they're buying Christmas trees and uh, the opening music playing during the opening credits is Christmas music. So it's it's very well established in the beginning that. at least the time is close to Christmas. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, another little known fact that I learned today. uh, Clearly, I read an article on this. So this movie is what caused the MPAA to come up with the PG-13 rating. This along with uh, Temple of Doom. So both of these movies came out right around the same time. And it forced the MPAA to create the pg-13 rating because it was a scary enough movie that it was too intense for a pg rating 
but it wasn't quite scary enough to warrant an R rating. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think one of the great things about this movie is that it is a dark comedy. Yeah. You know, I think more than being terrified, I'm laughing most of the time. Especially mm-hmm. when you have the evil gremlins running about and they're just taking over. And it's funny. But I think if I was a, you know, when I was younger, so this movie actually came out before we were both born. Not by a lot, by like a year. But the movie would have been out before we either had, either of us had seen it for the first time. Yeah. And as a kid, I would have been terrified. Like, and I probably was. I don't specifically remember being terrified by gremlins. But I'm thinking to myself as a kid, I'm like, some of these incidents, especially since one of the first bad encounters they have is someone getting killed by a Kremlin, you know, that that part is terrifying. And I get the warrant for a PG-13 rating. Mm -hmm. It is it is it is logical that you wouldn't want to give it a PG rating because you don't want certain kids to see it. But at the same time, there's nothing actually in it that warrants a rated R rating. Right. At least not that I can think of. Well, and it's funny because Stripe is supposed to be Gizmo. Like, that was supposed to be Gizmo. And then Steven Spielberg was like, oh, no. Like, we need we need the audience to connect with Gizmo. And, like, he can't be bad. He has to be good. So that's why apparently you don't see a lot of Gizmo towards the end of it. Because they had originally shot it with the idea that, like, Stripe would be Gizmo. That's interesting. And I'm glad that they didn't do it that way. Because... I mean, Gizmo the had to have been one of the most popular stuffed animals that year because I know that I had a Gizmo stuffed animal as a kid and this mm-hmm. movie came out the year before I was born. So, yeah. I know that, that that connection that he wanted to be made was made. Yeah. Well, and to get back to your kind of it's kind of a dark scary movie but not totally R. If you remember Phoebe Cates' character, I think her name is actually Kate, right? She she tells a story about why she like doesn't like Christmas, and it's mm-hmm. super dark. I didn't remember this part, but going back and watching it, I was like, oh, snap. Like that, wow. You know, the fact that her dad like dressed up as Santa and like came down the chimney to surprise everybody, and then like nobody knew he was doing that, so they all thought he just went missing, and then she found him like dead in the chimney i was like oh my god that's yes that's a traumatizing story for a child but also just like to have in a movie dang yeah it was super intense but actually i i wrote that moment down as um, a plus column for why it's a christmas movie because that memory for her ruined christmas for her but it was a a direct correlation to christmas yeah but it is. It's super dark. It it got. I was like, whoa! This got really intense out of nowhere. But on like an emotional scale, more than scary gremlins running around scale. Yeah, it's interesting because Phoebe Cates and I cover this in my other podcast with my friend Diana. She had originally been in Fast Times at Ridgemont High prior to this movie, and if you recall, in that movie, she has like some nude scenes. So the producers almost didn't want to let her be the like girlfriend figure in this one because they thought that the audience wouldn't like believe it. They wouldn't believe that she was like this nice small town girl who would date Billy. Hmm. I think the interesting thing about that too is that as time goes on, 
and people people still to this day love gremlins but they don't really know her background so then that no longer applies do you know what i mean no, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, if you were to ask me prior to all this, like, if you said Phoebe Cates, the first movie I would say is Gremlins. Like, I wouldn't, I know she's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but like, the first movie that jumps into my head is Gremlins. Absolutely. In that opening sequence, I thought it was really interesting. So, you know, the angry old neighbor um, yes. that, that is at the bank accusing him of his dog. And I remember thinking, are we in The Wizard of Oz? Because she's like, give me your dog. And I was like, where have I she's seen like the, She's like the Wicked Witch and the Scrooge mixed together. <laughs> she's the worst. And she's like, give me your dog. And it get even that is super dark because she's like, I'm going to take your dog and I'm going to let them like kill it. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is really intense out the bat. But at one point, right before she enters the bank, she's talking to a woman and their child. And I'm assuming she's their landlord. Yeah, I think she's... well. I think she has a lot, like, she owns a lot of the town. Right, she owns a lot of the town. Yeah. And the woman was kind of like, you know, she's trying to, to reason with her and is like, you know, my both my husband and I just got new jobs, but, you know, we can't pay you for two weeks. And she's just not showing them any sympathy. And the woman's like, oh, but it's Christmas, which is a popular thing that, you know, we're led to believe, especially from kids, is, you know, to be more charitable around the holidays within the, the sense of giving. Well, it's the whole tis the season mentality. Right. You know? tis the right. And it's like, but it's a, it's a theme that I'm going to use in the, and I had put down in my column for, you know, the theme of wanting to give and, you know, be nice to your neighbor. And then you've got this really mean lady who put a really bad taste in my mouth, which she's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is on her side. Oh yeah. No. I really like too, that when you have a dark comedy like this, Kind of adding a little bit of it being Christmas time kind of balances it out between this dark, scary movie with a holiday that's not known for being scary. Because it's not like they paired Gremlins with Halloween, which to some people might make sense, but they paired it with a completely, you know, with Christmas. And it's funny because didn't they release it? They like released it in the summer. It was it was a summer movie. Yeah. And I've, they've done that before. This isn't the first time that they've released a Christmassy movie in the summer. And I don't know what their, you know, what their plan was behind that. Maybe Christmas in July. I have no idea. But there are some Christmas movies that just like get released in summer. And I don't know if it's yeah to tap into that whole like I kind of miss Christmas, man. I wish it was Christmas. <laughs> you Christmas, know? Christmas in July when I was a yeah. in camp as a kid. It was we always had Christmas in July. It's like the six months to to Christmas. Well, I other thing is interesting because we talked about that same logic with Hocus Pocus because Hocus Pocus was released in the summer and the entire movie is about Halloween. Yeah, that's true. So it's always interesting when that happens. I wonder, too, if they did it because it's like it's PG-13, so it's kind of meant to be a family-ish film, like one that you could take your like kind of older kids to and like have a, you know, Saturday night at the movies or something. And it's like. I know in the summer, parents are like, what the hell do I do with my kids? You know, like, and maybe that was their logic was like, oh, there's people who like are going crazy with their kids at home. Like, let's release it and then they can all go see it and we'll make a ton of money. I think, too, with the this tiny town that they're, you know, led to that we're led to believe is a small town that they live in. Even as the movie progresses, we still see the town decorated for Christmas and there's the Christmas carolers. 
that are out singing before everything goes wrong, which is always, it's part, you know, Christmas, but also hilarious because later on we see the gremlins dressed up as carolers. Yeah, and they're caroling outside of that mean lady's house. Yeah, and it's, you know, when they attack her and she goes shooting through the top window off of her, uh, <laughs> her chairlift thing. And I remember thinking, wow, I was like, I was laughing really hard throughout the entire movie. But you have those little mo- those little Christmas moments that are kind of sprinkled to still remind you when this is going on. Oh, yeah. One of the interesting things that we haven't mentioned is, which is not really related to Christmas, but it is extremely important for the movie, is obviously the rules of what you're not allowed to do with your gremlin so things don't get out of hand. And obviously humans are really bad at following rules. Um, you know, keep him out of the light, don't get him wet, and don't feed him after midnight. And the don't get him wet is what makes them spawn multiples. And then the eating after midnight is what turns them into the evil gremlins. And when they first hatch and his mom is alone in the house and she hears something and we know the gremlins are in the house. We know they're trying to attack her. She doesn't really know what's going on, but there's music playing. And the song that's coming from the record player is Do You Hear What I Hear, which is... (laughs) A classic Christmas song, yeah. but also was kind of brilliant because it speaks to that entire scene because yeah. she hasn't seen the gremlins yet. She can only hear things happening in the house. Like any classic horror movie, when you think something's in your house and you're creeped out about it, and then you have this Christmas song that's meant to be joyous with the main lyric being, do you hear what I hear? And as the audience watching this character wondering, do you hear what I hear? It still adds to the theme of Christmas because that was what was on the record. Well, and then I love that she proceeds to like attack the gremlins with all of her like husband's contraptions that were all pieces of junk until it came time to, you know, kill some gremlins and then they worked great. Yeah. And they totally worked. And the gremlins, that's, that's part of where the dark thing is. Like when they are, they will straight up murder you if you oh, get yeah. in their way. Mm-hmm. Perfect gift for any child in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Have a gremlin. I think it's really interesting, too, when they, you know, early on when they first accidentally got water on Gizmo Mm -hmm. and he spawned multiples. I would have been freaked out and thinking something's wrong at this point (laughs) before we even got where we got. I would have been like, no, you know what? That's not cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I would have felt if I saw the animal that I just got have these things like bubble out of its back and then multiply. Like I would have been very freaked out. Yeah. They did a pretty a pretty good job too with making making the gremlins scary but also hilarious at the same time. That was one of my favorite things because when you first meet the scary versions of the the gremlins in the house they're trying to murder you. There's no laughing happening at at those times. But when you see the gremlins in the bar and Phoebe Kate's character is trying to serve them all like she's in a busy oh, bar. Oh, yeah. At the bar? Oh, my and, God. That's a stupid scene. There's popcorn going everywhere and she's trying to serve them beers and alcohol. And it's just they make it seem like a really rowdy crowd if you're at a really crappy dive bar and the clientele wasn't behaving. And, you know, the gremlins are drunk and they're falling off their chair and they're smoking cigarettes. And yeah. you have the one gremlin in the back. <laughs> He's got sunglasses on with a hat with just like a whiskey, slowly smoking a cigarette like the guy <laughs> in the back of the bar. And 
there's gremlins dancing with leg warmers on because it's the 80s like that entire sequence was just so brilliant and hilarious before they ultimately all con- congregate at the movie theater to watch Snow White. Which, funnily enough, Snow White was actually released in December, like a Christmas movie. It <laughs> yeah. has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was just, it, it was those unique things, I think, that made that movie, that movie, you know, even well. And even when you see Stripes later on after they, they burn down the movie theater and he's in the window of the department store, and his whole arms are filled with candy. They're just like really bad little evil children. And then that ending scene where he just like bursts into or like melts and, you know, with all the sun and stuff like that still holds up. Like that's some good cinema. Cause like I, I watched it and I still was like, Oh, that girl so gross. You know, <laughs> to be honest with you, rewatching movies from the eighties, than even the 90s and the 70s and it always kind of makes me long for practical effects and Mm. animatronics because you know back then they didn't have all those fancy digital ways to do everything and they had to rely on those practical effects and for me a lot of them still hold up it does not remove my enjoyment of the movie whatsoever yeah i agree there's a lot of in my opinion a lot of christmas markers Well, and going off that, I actually, I had questions that I was asking when I was watching the movie to help me determine whether or not I thought it was a Christmas movie. So these are just questions I came up with. Again, like we've said, this is all very subjective. But in my opinion, I have seven (laughs) questions that need to be asked. And I feel like if there's five out of seven of these answered, then it's a Christmas movie. So the first one I asked is, does it take place during a significant period of time during Christmas? Yes, we've already established this whole movie takes place primarily right before Christmas. Um, and it's not an extended period of time. You know, like it, it's all within a few days. Uh, number two, does the plot involve saving Christmas or getting home to the family for Christmas? Nope. Uh, is there snow or holiday decorations? Yes, there is. Uh, does anyone say Merry Christmas? Heck yes. The dad says it in like the first three minutes of the film when he goes to get the gremlin. Does Santa show up or need saving? Nope. Is holiday music part of the soundtrack? Yeah, we kind of established that they do use songs throughout the movie to help build up moments in the film. Uh, and then does it bring you Christmas joy? I'm going to say for me, it does bring me the nostalgia of Christmas. And so it does meet five of those criteria for me. So. For me, I do believe Gremlins is a Christmas film. Um, I I agree that I do believe Gremlins is a Christmas movie. And while I didn't make um, a list of questions, I was pretty much convinced within the first 15 minutes. <laughs> you're already sold. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was already sold. Um, unlike you're going to see when we talk about uh, Die Hard, and I am almost fairly certain we won't come to the same conclusion, but... Within the first 15 minutes, so many Christmas, actually, within the first 15, 20, 25 minutes of the movie, it is playing out like a classic Christmas movie before it turns into this super dark comedy. It almost is playing out like, like a classic 80s Christmas movie, or even with hints of what I would think of like the Hallmark style of Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all the classic Christmas movie things, things like from like a Christmas story that that, you know, going to the tree lot, talking about Christmas carolers and 
buying a Christmas present for your son. And you know what I mean? Like there's all yeah. these things and it is peppered out through the, the first one quarter of the movie is almost completely Christmas related. But for me, the definitive, definitive moment, if you will, is funny because it happens in the first scene of the movie was that this all started because of Gizmo and Gizmo was a Christmas present. So it was really Christmas's fault. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Blame it on Christmas. <laughs> no, it's good. Gremlins is classic. It is it is a fun ride. I hope it I hope still younger generations can watch it and still enjoy it. Because the eighties are not like now in the you know, there's no. there's a certain appreciation for film back then and it's just it's just a fun movie and it's not the best part about it being a Christmas movie is that it's not your traditional type of Christmas movie at all. I might say that it opens that way, but it doesn't stay that way. Well, and that's the thing is it's it's nice because it's not a full on horror movie, although there are some horror Christmas movies out oh, there yeah. like Jack Frost. It's called Jack Frost. And I know this because one of my favorite Christmas movies is Jack Frost, but the one with Michael Keaton and the snowman, not the horror version of Jack Frost. Don't don't want to make that mistake. No, I've made that mistake. That's why I I know. <laughs> That's like uh, 28 days and 28 days later, mixing them up. Be like, yeah. where's the zombies? Why is Sandra Bullock here? Yeah. So there's, and there's plenty of horror. I mean, some people would consider Gremlins to be a horror Christmas movie. I consider it more of a dark comedy Christmas movie than horror, but I get the horror aspect of the movie. What's the one I'm thinking of? Is it Krampus? Krampus. That's it. I couldn't remember the name of it, but that is exactly what I was thinking of. That is a horror Christmas movie. That is a horror Christmas movie. I feel like when it comes to Christmas, though, I don't want to be watching horror. I just want to be watching, like you said, well, maybe not Hallmark movies. I'm not at that level yet, but like, you know, I like. Really? Because my mom's been at that level for a month. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as, as soon as Halloween happens, Hallmark's on it. <laughs> they are all yeah. over Christmas. All right. Moving on to the one that's got the bigger argument, and I think, in my opinion. I, okay, so I've seen Die Hard, and I we were talking about this before we started recording. I've seen Die Hard, but I don't necessarily know that I've ever seen it all the way through from beginning to end in one sitting. I did four hours ago. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. But yeah. This is what I want to say about this, is it a Christmas movie argument, that yes, Gremlins does come up in this argument, but... Nine times out of ten, the first movie anyone is going to say is Die Hard. I agree. Yeah. You know, I've watched two of my friends who like each other get into full-on arguments over this one topic. <laughs> and I think one of the interesting things and why I thought this would be such a great podcast topic, too, is because every person in the last few weeks when I said, you know, this is the topic that we were going to cover for the podcast, just because I wanted to put feelers out and see how people felt about it. Oh, did I get more than I could chew? Because every person that I brought this up to had, one, a strong opinion about it. And definitively, they couldn't just say what their opinion was. They had to, like, explain to you the entire background of why they came to that conclusion. And I'm just sitting there going, I'll come to my own conclusion when I rewatch the movie, but I, I don't need you. And they don't stop. They will go full on into why it's this, what it has, what it doesn't have, what it needs. And then, but it's still based out of a love for the movie Die Hard. 
Oh, yeah. But I think it's one of those polarizing arguments, much like our, you know, our other episode of were they on a break? It's one of those things that everybody knows the question and everybody has an, a, a different opinion on it. Oh, absolutely. It is very subjective, especially with this movie. Because yeah. in my opinion, there's a lot less theme cues than what we get with Gremlins. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the clues are not hard. And I did come to a conclusion, but I have to tell you that I was on the fence the entire movie and I did not make up my mind to the last line of the movie. I still don't know that I'm totally <laughs> on board with either side. I've got, I like you said, I flipped back and forth. but Oh, I flipped back and forth multiple times. Before we get into which side we landed on, you know, yeah, I just want to mention, like, right from the beginning of the film, there is this interesting, like, score where they've taken, essentially, Jingle Bells, and they've made it, like, more, um... 80s? No, well, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of synth in there. Um, But no, they've made it more, like, menacing. You know, like, you can tell it's Jingle yeah. Bells, but it's, like, Jingle Bells in, like, a minor chord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very yeah. ominous. So it's like, well, is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? They're kind of setting it up, but also making me doubt it. <laughs> so one of the big things is that both Gremlins and this movie kind of start out with a little bit of trying to establish what time of year it is. Granted, for gremlins were in this snowy town which i hate to say it but snow automatically makes you think christmas yeah you know but this movie takes place in la and obviously it doesn't snow in la on christmas so when we we come into this movie and we're establishing that it is christmas eve and that john McClane is on his way to la for christmas to go see his estranged wife and she is at her office, which is throwing a Christmas party, like many offices do right before the holidays. They throw big Christmas parties and, you know, everybody gets, you know, into the holiday spirit and they're like, I don't have to work for a few days and mm-hmm. which, you know, helps sells it. So you have the opening Christmas music. You have, you know, everybody trying to be in the holiday spirit before shit gets out of hand again. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say that every time I... I think of the title of the movie die hard all i can hear is die hard because of friends (laughs) it never leaves my brain yeah no i mean it's it's interesting because you can very much tell from from the beginning like you said even though it takes place in los angeles everybody knows it's christmas eve because she makes the call to her kid she's talking about santa we know he's in town to go see her for christmas um, so despite it not looking like a Christmas movie, we know that's the time it's taking place. But then, you know, I also wonder, <laughs> it, it must be a very 80s thing, too, because I don't remember my parents working on Christmas Eve or like going to Christmas Eve parties. I don't know. Maybe that's I, I don't know. Well, I I, all, I kind of wonder if it was just specific to that company, because right before before everything goes down, when John McClane shows up to the tower, he's talking to security and security goes, just go to the 30th floor. Don't worry. There's nobody else in the building. Yeah. Like it's just that floor. 
Right. And I know that there were like holiday parties, obviously, but I don't ever remember it being like Not my on dad Christmas. or my mom being at work on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly. Like having the party on Christmas. Like it would be a week ahead of time or, you know, the Friday before or something. Like I just, that's, and you Even must. It, now it wouldn't be Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, because right? Because people spend Christmas Eve with their families typically. Yeah. Or their friends or, but people they care about, not their coworkers. Yeah, I was so blown away when the mom called and she's like talking to the nanny and being like, okay, like go to bed and Santa will be there. And it's like, you're not putting your kids to bed on Christmas Eve like <laughs> to be at a party. Like, it's not like you're your... working. Yeah, it's not like you're working a job where you have to be there. You can't get away. Like you're at a party. <laughs> like what? It's like I'm questioning your, your parenting skills at this point. Yeah, and now I hope I haven't made parents feel bad if they're out on Christmas Eve. But I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know that we usually do something for Christmas, you know, Christmas, obviously not this year, but we did, we do something for work and it's usually either two weeks before or after Christmas, like, like yeah. after New Year's. But I thought it was really interesting. Like, I feel like the, the Christmas tidbits in this movie are a little bit more subtle. Like in the beginning when John McClane gets into the limo and he's talking to his limo driver and his driver's like, can I put some music on? There's some kind of funk track and he goes, don't you have any Christmas music? And he's like, this is Christmas music. Well, at some point in, towards the beginning, too, they're play, they're literally playing Run DMC Christmas in Hollis. Yes. Yeah. And I don't remember what point, but I know it's fairly early on in the film. That was in that was in the limo. So it was a Christmas song, but it wasn't what anyone would consider traditional Christmas music. I mean, I consider it traditional Christmas, but that's because I grew up with it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's funny because John McClane is like, do you have any Christmas music? Because he doesn't know. He's thinking of like Bing Crosby White Christmas. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and it's, yeah. it's Run DMC. So <laughs> yeah, that was all that scene. So it yeah. was that again is more Christmas music that is getting played. And I kind of noticed that throughout. So there's multiple points in the score where they take a Christmas song and they kind of deconstruct it. So it's like you recognize that it's a song that you know, but then it goes into a score of something else. So it's like they're still kind of bringing you back to that like, hey, guys, it's Christmas, but we're going to go murder a bunch of people in a building. Like, <laughs> you know. Right. And there's like multiple times where characters in the movie will say things like, you know, Merry Christmas, but they're using it in a negative context. Well, and apparently I was reading, you know, when we were doing research for this, Merry Christmas shows up in the script like 18 times or something like that. Whereas the words die and hard and like kill and shoot and all that stuff are there, you know, three, four times. So it's like, it's in there so many times, but you don't, like you're saying, you don't really pick up on it because it is, subtle like it's just it subtle little subtle little hints to remind you uh -huh. that it's christmas like or like you said not using it to actually say merry christmas but to more be facetious about it right absolutely one of my things too is when they finally get into the vault and they have their tech guy there who says merry christmas yeah as the vault opens uh-huh there is a song playing in the background now the song that is playing is ode to joy uh -huh. Now, Ode to Joy by Beethoven is not a Christmas song. I would like to step that. I had to look it up because I thought it was a Christmas song and it's not. It was not written as a Christmas song, but it is traditionally played at the holidays. Interesting. I would have thought it was a Christmas song. See, everybody thinks it's a Christmas song and it is actually not a Christmas song. But I was willing to give them a pass because it is traditionally played around Christmas. 
Yeah. It is, um, you know, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a religious based, you know, song. And I even read the lyrics of the song translated and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't about Christmas at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but it's crazy how we hear things, you know, once you hear Ode to Joy on 35 Christmases, you're like, oh, this must be a Christmas song. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, you know, that was a little bit more of, of kind of how they played with the music a little and the subtle hints of, you know, Merry Christmas. and No, but the, the whole plot, I mean, truly, yes, there is Christmas in there and it's subtle, but at the same time, like the the meat of this movie is an action film. It is an action film through and through, you know, you've got your bad guy, you've got your good guy and they're at odds the whole time. And then the police come and they're like useless, (laughs) you know, and then, uh, you know, everything's solved and the guy gets the girl, the end, you know, like your typical action movie. And so it's, I found parts of watching this. I was like forgetting that I was supposed to be thinking it was a Christmas movie. Right. Because there's just so much of just like, oh, I'm watching an action movie. You know? That's, yeah. I understand the argument on both sides for this one because I really am torn. Because I just, it's not a movie that I would be like, let me pop it in because I'm in the mood to watch a Christmas movie. You know? But at the same time, there is a lot of Christmas in it. Or surrounding it, I guess. Um but at the end of the day, I'd be like, let me pop this in in, you know, March. <laughs> like, I could po- I could watch it at any point in the year. And it it's still, to me, like an action movie. You know, one of the things I noticed specifically about this movie is that a majority, and I'm going to say 90% of the people I talked to who had a strong opinion were guys. This is not... If if at the end of the day, whatever conclusion we get to, if we say hypothetically that it was a Christmas movie, it's not a touchy-feely Christmas movie. You know, it's yeah, like no. an action-packed, <laughs> hardcore, you know, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to use gender stereotypes, but, you know, it's not your, like, a lot of Christmas movies out there are, you know, very emotional and, you know, touchy-feely, which is fine. I, I watch my own plethora of touchy-feely Christmas movies for that exact reason. Yeah. Because it's the holidays and I want to feel warm and fuzzy inside, but this movie's not warm and fuzzy. This movie has a lot of like machismo behind it. You know, it yes, has a lot yeah. of the the big action and the massive, you know, explosions and ev- we all enjoy it, you know. I mean, you've got Bruce Willis who obviously we know went on to do tons of action movies in his career but you have this guy who is by himself in the building and he keeps getting more and more injured as the movie goes on and i also think it's interesting too that he starts out with a white tank top i said this i said this to my roommate and as time goes on it eventually like it turns to like dirt stains with blood by the end it is gray yeah, yeah, it's like, like brown, gray. Like gray, it, yeah. you would never have thought that that was the white tank top. I literally said that to my roommate watching it, like at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film. I was like, "Look at his tank top! Look at his tank top!" It right, is- and then eventually <laughs> he loses the tank top altogether, and he's oh just yeah, it's shirtless. Gone. But uh, I mean, part of that is again like that machismo thing. You see him sweaty and dirty, and mm-hmm. he's got you know cuts and stuff. And then when he walks through the glass, and he's 
sitting in that bathroom later, literally pulling glass oh, out God, of his pulling own the glass feet. out of his feet. And I'm like yeah. literally trying not to look at the TV, but he's just not even wincing because he's Bruce yeah. Willis. <laughs> like that's just you know. Yeah. Well, and I didn't remember that he is basically in this movie like the whole time without shoes. Completely kind yeah. of forgot that little tidbit. And then, like, when, yeah, when you see the glassing, I was like, he still hasn't found shoes? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because even in the end, after he gets the glass out of his feet, he kind of just, like, totally half-asses wrapping up his one bad foot. Yeah. And he's still hobbling around with blood everywhere, pouring out of him, you know, and just this intensity that he has the entire time. And obviously, as we know, Die Hard went on to make several more movies, even to recent years. So this is a a series that has spawned since the 80s into the 2010s. And um, I don't know if there's any more coming, but it wouldn't surprise me. So this one movie did spawn a a series of successful movies. Well, and I love that they had Reginald Vil Johnson. I always think of him as Carl Winslow. I will. Oh, I did it too. I did it too. (laughs) Meg, every time he would come up in the movie, I would be like, yo, go talk to Carl. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I can't say that. I know that that's not his name. And then I realized that I'm sitting there and I'm going, what is his name? (laughs) Like, All I know is Carl Winslow. Obviously we were children of, we were born in the, in the mid eighties, but we were children of the mid of the nineties. So, you know, Carl Winslow is Carl Winslow, but he was also the the voice of the dad dinosaur on Dinosaurs, right? Because I remember it was like TPIF and it would be, it was um, Family Matters and then Dinosaurs was part of it too. And I was just like, how does he work that much? How is he on so many shows? You know? Yeah, he was great in it. And of course, our, our, our lead bad guy, I... You know, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. But I loved Alan Rickman and everything he was ever in in his entire career um, before he passed away. And he's a great bad guy. And mm-hmm. I've seen him play a bad guy in multiple movies. Um, he also pulls off playing snooty guys really well. But he, you know, I've seen him play a good guy. He could play them all. Alan Rickman is the voice of um, Marvin in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which he was the perfect yes. choice. Because Marvin was a manically depressed robot. And who better to voice that than Alan Rickman? Yeah. Well, and then oh, in love, actually. And he's like the one who's cheating on his wife. Oh, I felt so bad for Emma Thompson, right? That's who plays his wife? I've actually never seen Love Actually. Oh, no. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Obviously. How have you not seen Love Actually? Oh, I haven't seen it. Leave me alone. <laughs> We're not doing a podcast on Love Actually. We're 100% going to do a podcast on Love Actually. You're I will gonna find watch it. I will find talk a, about it. I will find a substitute that day. Fine. Whatever. I will talk about Love Actually all day. Maybe <laughs> you could just do the podcast by yourself. I could probably talk by myself for an hour. I don't know that people would want to hear me talk by myself for an hour, but I could <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'll think I'll think about it. We've gotten very off topic. We have. But back to the matter at hand. Yeah, back to the matter at hand is Die Hard, a Christmas movie. Like I said, I just watched it all the way through for the first time this week. And I am so frustrated by the cops who just like, or like in the 911 operator, like all the people were like, oh, it's just a false alarm. And it's like, I get that it's a movie. 
it's just it's so frustrating to watch and i know the whole purpose is to like make the movie you know go on that that was yeah yeah. i was getting so frustrated at paul gleason i was like just believe him like don't storm into the building like just listen to him that's i think you know a common theme too in that movie is like you're just like all right are you gonna listen to him yet like but don't worry carl winslow listens to him yes he does (laughs) all right are you ready I, I'm very torn on this because, like I said, I made these questions and I, I got to stick to the questions. So that's how I'm going to determine it, even though I don't fully know that I agree with how it turned out. But here we go. Uh, does it take place during a significant period of time during Christmas? Yes, it does. It takes place literally on Christmas Eve. Does the plot involve saving Christmas or getting home to his family for Christmas? Yes, it does. He is trying like hell to get home to his kids. Is there snow or holiday decorations? Yeah, the entire firm is decorated with all these Christmas trees. Does anyone say Merry Christmas? Yes, they do. Multiple times, even if it's not like, you know, nicely. Uh, Does Santa show up or need saving? No, there's no Santa in this movie. Uh, Is holiday music part of the soundtrack? Yes, it is. Does it bring you Christmas joy? I don't find Christmas joy, but it does bring me joy. Uh, But regardless, it hits five out of those seven. So I got to go with it is a Christmas movie. So we are actually on the same page. I also agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, I was on the fence. And actually, I was texting my cousin while I was watching Die Hard and told him what I was doing, and he was like, it's a Christmas movie, and he wouldn't let me budge on what, you know, (laughs) like, it is, and he was like, I'm right, and I was like, okay, I, like, I'll see at the end of the movie, and see how I feel about it, and then, of course, I got to the end of the movie, and had to send him a text that said you were right, which is never fun, because I didn't want to cave, um, Mm -hmm. and I know he's going to be listening to this podcast, so he's going to know what I'm talking about, so, (laughs) but at the same time, There was one definitive moment for me where I was teetering on either side where I saw there is a fair argument for saying that it's not a Christmas movie because it is a big time action movie. But there is also a fair argument for why it is a Christmas movie because of all the different things we discussed. But it was the last line of the movie when John is walking with Holly and the limo driver opens the door for them Uh and they're getting in and the limo driver says... If this is what you do for Christmas, I got to be there for New Year's. And then it closes out with the song Let It Snow. Yeah. It was a done deal at that point. Because that one line established, it's a Christmas movie. Like, essentially, it was just like, yeah, this was a Christmas movie. That's what we're saying. You know what I mean? Like, And then to immediately cut into Let It Snow, like one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. Mm-hmm. But in a cheery rendition of it unlike the subtly off-key one from the beginning of Jingle Bells. Yeah. Because now we we have a happy ending, so we don't we need the happy, you know, let it snow, let it snow, let it we snow. We'll be back in those major keys. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. So, obviously, I would like to say it again for probably the fourth or fifth time. This is all subjective. What some people consider important to them at Christmas time is different for everyone and everybody will see what happens in this differently. Mm-hmm. But if you would like to share what your thoughts are on either Gremlins or Die Hard and if it is or is not a Christmas movie, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Scream Mavericks Podcast. 
Yeah, and also make sure that you have a wonderful Christmas or holiday season, whatever you're celebrating, if you're celebrating. And make sure to check out any Christmas movie you want because they're on every channel all the time. For an entire month. A big thank you to our internet peeps for listening and joining us today. We appreciate every single one of you. Join us next time and follow us on social media. We're at Scream Mavericks Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, be awesome and keep streaming. <laughs>